We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Thanks for tuning in to this episode of KCSN Update presented by our friends over at DraftKings. It's Wednesday, and that means, you know, we bring on the YouTube legend Brett Coleman to talk a little Chiefs and Broncos with us this matchup and uh, educate me a little bit more on just all I know about the Broncos is making fun of the trade for Russell Wilson and how badly they've been struggling uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, there is a lot to talk about, especially with their defense and the way they've been playing and just educate us a little bit more uh, from Brett on what they like to do and what the Chiefs will be facing on Sunday. But before we do that, I do have got I do have I do got. I do have a nice little stat for you for those who don't know. The Chiefs have won the past 13 straight matchups against the Broncos. That's a franchise record for the most wins against a single opponent. And a win this week would move the Chiefs to the fifth longest winning streak against a single opponent in NFL history. That is pure domination. Patrick Mahomes never lost to the Broncos in his career. Uh, I'm sure it's something that the broadcast will talk about. One of the reasons I'm sure that the Broncos made that trade for Russell Wilson was to stop getting dominated by the Chiefs, and instead they just get dominated by everybody because it is not working out. And let's talk about it. Let's bring on Brett right now and talk a little Chiefs-Broncos. Brett, you've got your Rob Lowe hat on. If anybody watching on YouTube uh, or not watching on YouTube, it's black. NFL hat just very right down the middle I don't root for anybody in particular because I root for everybody equally that's what you're that's what that hat is telling us you know what we're just gonna skip right over the Bengals game aren't we we're just completely ignoring that one existed oh yeah (laughs) we talked about it so much let's we get your high level thoughts I'm not gonna add a lot because people listening to this probably heard me talk about it uh but what what were your impressions from that game we'll I'll suffer through this again they're gonna meet again they're going to meet yeah. again. And and uh, I mean, I don't, it's so funny because, uh, you know, Nick Wright, who Chiefs fans love, mm-hmm. uh, most Chiefs fans love, you know, he always talks about, oh, it can't be a rivalry if only one team wins. And he always says that about Buffalo. And mm-hmm. then he's like, 
the Bengals are a great rival to the Chiefs. And it's like, we got to pick one here, you know? Yeah, that's a solid point. <laughs> but I, I will say um, the, the Bengals are specifically a tough matchup for the Chiefs because, again, it's a young secondary. Like McDuffie held up well. I do want to yeah. set aside that note. He held up really well. Joshua Williams, third and 11, game on the line. It wasn't bad coverage, but T. Higgins is going to T. Higgins sometimes. You know, it happens. Yeah. And there was the Kelsey fumble, just kind of everything that possibly could have gone wrong went wrong. And they still barely lost. So they're going to meet again, and it's going to be a great game again because that's just what happens when these two teams face each other. I will say, schematically speaking, there was some applicable things that we saw in the Bengals game to what's about to happen in the Denver game, and this is a great lead-in. For the most part, Pat was very efficient. Um, The Bengals kind of played a little bit of everything. You know, we saw quote-unquote, a lot of zero. It's like 10% zero, relatively speaking, but most of that was in the mm-hmm. red zone. The one time they called zero outside of the red zone, Pat was like, cool, thanks for the free yards, <laughs> and hit that bomb to MVS on the seam alert. So they didn't, yeah. call it, they didn't call it outside of the red zone ever again. We saw a little bit of cover one, which Pat shredded. We saw uh, a little bit of cover three, which for the most part, he did pretty, pretty well against. We didn't see a whole lot of quarter-quarter half, but when they played quarter-quarter half, they they did it very well against mm-hmm. Kansas City. And you remember that dropped interception, right? Where he's kind of running around and he, and he throws it up, just kind of heaves it. It was like first down or something like that. And we're yeah. like, oh my God, what are you doing? That was against quarter, quarter, half, but it was played a very interesting way, which I think applies to the Broncos game, where typically when you're going to play quarter, quarter, half, you're going to have a quarter, quarter, And then uh, the quarter and quarter side is going to be to the passing strength of formation, like where the majority Mm -hmm. of eligible receivers are. And then especially if it's to the short side of the field, if you only have one guy over there, you're going to play half field. You're going to play cover two to that side because it Mm -hmm. basically acts as like a high low bracket. You can't really attack the flat. Can't really attack the hook. Can't really attack over the top. We're just going to lock down these two guys. The Chiefs tried to attack that look by motioning at the snap with Sky Moore and kind of doing the same thing that Miami does, where they try to get you to communicate as the ball is being snapped to flip sides of the field and flip Mm -hmm. where the quarter side is and flip where the half side is. And so Sky Moore wheeled up at the snap and his read is if I get a cloud corner because they're staying in cover two, I take off on a fade, we get a two on one in the safety, that's a touchdown. That is straight Mm -hmm. up a touchdown. If they don't adjust, they adjust it. As soon as the motion was coming, you saw the safety in the corner communicate. It's like, hey, we're quarter side. Other side is half. They played it over the top on the quarter side. And Pat was looking um, because there was kind of like a pin and then a big post. Pat was looking at the pin and he saw the safety kind of back off into a deep half. And he's like, "Uh oh, that wasn't (laughs) supposed to happen. And then he comes back to the quarter side and he saw um, that inside quarter player playing over the top of the big post he's like "Uh oh that wasn't supposed (laughs) to happen either and then he's kind of running around he's like well it's half they're kind of splitting maybe i can fit that ball in there and he absolutely could not not that late not from that far and and the pick was dropped that to me was a very interesting schematic adjustment where they tried to scheme themselves into a two-on-one against quarter quarter half and the defense was completely unfazed and they just flipped the sides instantly Guess who plays quarter, quarter, half more than almost anybody? It's Denver. They're third in the league in that. They they call it 17% of the time, which is a lot by NFL standards. You're going to see it a lot 
this week too. And it's going to be to passing strength. It's going to be based on boundary. They're going to call it different ways every single time. That's why they're so hard to beat over the top is because you're not entirely sure which way they're going to play it because they, it looks the same before the snap every single time. There's two high safeties. You just don't know which one's half and which one's quarters. Mm -hmm. That battle is going to be fascinating. And so I think what we're going to see from the Chiefs is instead of playing three by one, we're going to see a lot of four by one because then like I'm talking like trips and then with the running back as like a fast four option, the flat, because then regardless yeah. of if you're playing quarters of that side, there's going to be somebody there and then they're going to have like whether it's Travis or, or Juju, whoever on the backside is the one on one, whoever they feel can win most over there. So that <laughs> Bengals game, I think, informed a lot of things because that defense that Denver plays a lot worked against them. And mm -hmm. I think Denver is going to play it even more than they usually do after watching that tape. It's fascinating where this discussion is going to go, because I'm curious if and Andy Reid has an answer for everything. There's an answer offensively for that coverage and the way that they're doing things. Uh, just like the defense always has an answer is always a hole in it. Um, we could be seeing based on what you're saying, if this, plays out we could be seeing a preview of how the chiefs are adjusting to what the Bengals did to go up against the broncos to where if these two teams meet in the playoffs however they adjust to that coverage and what you're talking about could be then what we see when the chiefs and Bengals meet again in the playoffs like okay we figured out where we were uh out leveraged where we were not strong where we did not have an answer in that moment for it maybe that's what we see against the broncos is that a fair assessment this game is i think their dry run of how they're going to approach January. Cause a lot of the teams that are going to be there in the playoffs, they're going to run this because you mm -hmm. can't run cover one because they're going to kill it. You can't run mm -hmm. cover two, at least you can't run it a lot because they're going to kill it. So, I mean, you could try quarters, but it depends. It's like MVS gets loose one time and that's a touchdown. So yeah. what do you do? You play quarter, quarter half, which is a very, it's not very common, but more common coverage across the league this year than it ever has been before. We're seeing a drop in man and a rise in quarter, quarter, half because it answers a lot of those problems. Yeah. This game and the subsequent game against Denver is going to be their dry run for how they handle it. And everything they put on tape in these two games, we know they're probably going to win. Denver's terrible. But everything yeah. they put on tape is going to matter a lot in about a month because this is the coverage against them. Fascinating. And I'm going to go back the cover zero sh like deep shot to MVS. Could we just go ahead and assume that the hot route for Patrick Mahomes in those situations is just the deepest pass available. It's <laughs> like, funny because Miami he's not getting the ball out quick down, like in the flat or like, well, he general. can, he can, yeah. like that, that's the thing is he can do that, but it's the same thing that happened. Um, uh, Miami against Detroit, Detroit stopped calling covers like they were leading the league in cover zero. They stopped calling cover zero after the Miami game because Tua did the exact same thing. The only reason it wasn't a house call, ironically, he threw it to Tyreek. Um, and everybody's like, ha ha ha, he underthrew Tyreek. And it's like, well, he underthrew Tyreek because they messed up the blocking assignment. They took the outside guy instead of the inside guy. So Tua didn't fully have time to like really uncork that thing. But Kansas City blocked it correctly. And so Pat was able to get just a, a mm. tiny fraction of a second more to get more juice on that. But that's what we're seeing teams do is instead of trying to rely on the screen game and have people rally and tackle instead of trying to rely on like bang eights and stuff like that. They're just like, just go because the DBs are yeah. trained that when you're 10 yards off, they're not expecting a deep ball. So their hips are pointed at the, at the line of scrimmage. They're like, yeah. just go, I'll get it to you. And I guarantee yeah. you, after seeing that, 
nobody's calling zero against the Chiefs for the rest of the year, at least outside the red zone. Nobody's <laughs> going to do it because he yeah. can make that throw. And it, that that was the signal flare of like, hey, don't call that on us. You're going to get punished. All right, good stuff. We're talking with YouTube legend Brett Coleman. Make sure to check him out uh, on social media at Brett Coleman. You can find his YouTube channel, and he also does a lot of work with bootleg football. If you like this kind of content, you can find it across the entire NFL. As uh, does, You do quite a bit of Chief stuff uh, with what you do, but you can find his content there. Make sure to check that out. But Brett, let's talk about the Broncos specifically uh, and what you've seen from them this year and what they like to do schematically. Uh, we're say the second half or the second part of this show. Uh, for dunking on Russell Wilson, and I'm just going to make a lot of jokes, and you're going to be like, I want to talk about serious stuff. Like, yeah, but it's the worst trade in NFL history because I know you like <laughs> those hyperbolic statements like that. So let's start on the defensive side, where the Broncos have been pretty good this year, even after trading Bradley Chubb. I mean, they rank uh, in the top five in the NFL in a lot of the key statistical categories uh, for that team, and they've only – I think I looked this up – only given up more than 20 points three times uh, this season, the Broncos, and yet they're three and nine, <laughs> which tells you all you need to know about how the offense is going – for their defensive schematic stuff, I know you're talking about quarter, quarter, half, but in general, where are the the key points? What do Chiefs? What should Chiefs fans be watching for uh, when that when the Chiefs' offense is out there about what Denver likes to do and and who are the key guys there? You got to watch out for. Well, they're very good in the red zone and they're very good situationally on third down. Um, you know, they they actually drop in quarter, quarter, half on third down and they go up in man coverage. Uh, in terms of uh, third down calls uh they're 31% man which when you have the dbs they have you can get yeah. away with so i would say specifically look for that on third downs is they're just going to they're going to match up and say go ahead and beat us yeah whether or not um whether or not the chiefs have a good day on third down i think will depend a lot on um you know mvs just win once down the field you know sky just give us a couple Kadarius, yeah. and, if he's out there, you know. He's back to practicing. So I think uh, I saw a report earlier uh, since we've been recording this that the Chiefs should have everybody practicing this week. So it's a good sign for uh, Kadarius Tony. We talk about man coverage. Uh, he's a, a man beater in that way uh, with what they like to do with him. And I thought that was one of – not going back to the Bengals, a little side note here. That was one of the interesting things about the Bengals. It seemed like there was a chunk of Andy Reid's playbook that he could not use because he did not have a player out there with the skill set. It may have been one of the only times that I remember in the 10 years Andy Reid's been here that he hasn't had that jet sweep option where it's McCall Hardman the last couple of years and there was Tyree Kill. And before that, it was DeAnthony Thomas. And then Kadarius Tony, obviously not playing that game last week either. It felt like a lot of those things that the Chiefs like to do uh, or these packages that they have at their disposal, they couldn't do because they didn't have a skill set uh, to be as effective as any one of those four guys has been. But, um, but yeah, sorry, get back to uh, what Broncos like to do. And I know, you know, if Patrick Sertan Jr. is not a, a household name yet, he, he will should be, be because he is a stud. Pretty much the only time that they um, they get out of the quarter quarter halves. Um, well, I should say they do run quarter quarter half on third down, but only in long yardage situations where there's time mm -hmm. to rally and tackle. Anytime you get um, under seven yards to go, they are a 1% coverage call team on quarter, quarter, half. Like it drops to basically hmm. nothing. And then it goes uh, for man specifically. Um, it's up to 32%, a little bit more, but they play a lot of cover three on third hmm. and medium. So it's, it's still going to be tough to hit those shots because how they play cover three, again, they start out in too high and they rotate down and they cut the crosser there might be a little bit of hay to be made in the seams if we get a three-by-one call 
against cover three and third and medium, and then you take your fastest guy, which would be MVS, you run him as the number three on that kind of deep cross they used to do with Tyreek just to mm-hmm. draw the deep safety and then the safety that cuts it over the top. And then mm-hmm. you try, you you try like hell. It's getting they're very disciplined. It's gonna be tough to hit like in that backside seam with whether it's Sky. Juju, Kadarius, Travis, whoever. Honestly, you'd probably put Travis isolated with Sertan on the backside to take him away. And then you draw two on the deep cross, and then you try to work that seam on the backside. Mm-hmm. That's how I think they're going to try to move the ball um, on like third and medium situations. Um, I would say getting to third and medium, that's going to be Isaiah Pacheco's job. Like We're not looking for a big day here. Just get us manageable third downs because anytime, again, we're third and seven, third and plus. Um that's when we're going to see all of that really, really tight match zone coverage. They tackle really well. That's going to give an extra beat to the pass rush, which has been pretty good. Um, that's really the battle here. And then in the red zone, somebody's got to just go win because that's when we start to see um, a little bit more aggressive press coverage. Like somebody has to be able to beat, like not just Patrick Sertan, but all their corners. Somebody has to be able to win in the red zone or it's going to be field goal, field goal, field goal. And even though I still think the Chiefs would win in that scenario because their offense is horrible in Denver, it would make the game a lot more frustrating than it absolutely needs to be if they can't win in the red zone. So those are the two things. Get to third and six or less so that you can bait out more of the cover three and man coverage stuff. Get them out of the quarter, quarter half they love. And Mm -hmm. then just call something funky in the red zone to just steal a couple touchdowns there. And you got yourselves an easy win. You're speaking Andy Reid's language. Maybe we'll get get Colin Saunders uh, back out there. I'll never forgive Sean McVay for calling a timeout when Colin Saunders was out there. uh, Oh, because you know he was getting the ball. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because he called timeout, and then he wasn't back out there. in a completely different formation. He was like, man, I almost wanted to text Colin and be like, I'm so sorry. We were trying to shine, and McVay just snatched it away from you. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Before we move on to the offense, a lot made Bradley Chubb getting traded. And you talk about the pass rush being pretty good. Who are the guys up front? Because it's the only time that, that Patrick Mahomes, whenever he's not comfortable, it's the only, I mean, it's the same for any quarterback in the NFL. But who up front for the Broncos uh, should the Chiefs be worried about? Because you and I have, we're not going to talk about it on this show. We'll <laughs> have a whole other episode about Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, but if the Chiefs are getting beat up front, who is the most likely uh, reason why on the Broncos defensive front? I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to bring up the Orlando Brown stuff because literally the Chiefs tackles are the top two in the league in terms of giving up pressures. So like it's. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. We so can. Hard. I just didn't want to make the entire episode. I, I get Orlando it. Brown, I will because say, we've done that. It's kind of what Matt and I did on Monday. On him, tur- him turning down that contract was the best thing that ever happened in KC. Can I just say that at least? Because mm. like if you're leading the league and giving up pressures and making 25 million a year, that's a problem. So maybe mm. they kind of dodged a bullet there. Now Pat is having to run from those bullets, obviously, but it's it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. Um, I would say in terms of uh difference makers up front for Denver, though, Draymond Jones has been mm. a monster for them on the interior. Uh Baron Browning. <sighs> I'm not I, I really don't want to compare him to Von Miller, but physically speaking, in terms of just pure burst and bend off the line of scrimmage, he and Vaughn share similar qualities there. Now he's not as refined as Vaughn. I don't think he's necessarily as strong as Vaughn. He might be able to get there eventually. But in terms of just like causing problems with speed and bend off the edge, you put him on Wiley one-on-one on those third and seven situations where we're playing all those match zones on the back half. And you got no time because Wiley's getting roasted off the snap. That's that's what causes such a big issue there. Um, and then DJ Jones has been really good for them too this year. But I would say Draymond Jones and Baron Browning are the two that oof, they're they're tough to handle. They're really tough to handle. We haven't talked about Justin Simmons yet, but Justin Simmons is a stud. Oh yeah, Justin oh, Simmons' yeah. safety is a stud. And I don't know what his health situation is, but Kwan Williams also a very good player. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball. Um, I want to hear a little bit more uh, reason why Russell Wilson and the Broncos are so bad. Cause I just like talking about the trade and it not even being hyperbolic. We talked about it on the last show. I was just doing outside the trenches going to go down is it's in the conversation for worst trade in NFL history. As we sit here right now, it's gotta be in that conversation. I know recency bias, but um, Oh no, it is. It's bad. <laughs> it is. Very bad. It's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, and what do they do going forward? It's going to be a fascinating off season discussion and it's fun for chiefs fans to talk about uh, as much as they've dominated the Broncos. And there were people out there, including one of our hosts on our network, Nick Leckie thought the Broncos were going to win the division this year. And he owned, he has consistently owned up to it besides just the obvious, anybody that can watch, like they're not scoring points. They're not moving the ball. What in your mind, the way that you watch things has been the biggest reason why, it's been so bad for the Broncos offensively this year. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me and I've been trying to work through this the entire year. Um, Cause it's hard to pinpoint just one problem. You know, sometimes the receivers are dropping some really good passes that Russ actually does throw. Sometimes mm-hmm. Russ ain't throwing good passes. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's missing dudes wide open or he's missing reads. Like there's been multiple games where it's like, Russ, you're 10 year veteran. How are you? not just seeing man coverage and throwing the rub on the goal line for the touchdown. Like what, what are we doing here? 
Mm-hmm. So I would say there's missed reads, there's missed balls, the receivers aren't making plays, the offensive line, eh, um, you know, the run game. Like there was a period of time where Melvin Gordon just wouldn't stop freaking fumbling. It, it, from week to week, there's a different problem every single game, but it all adds up to them being the worst offense in the league and not particularly close. <laughs> so as for what the issue is going to be this week, I don't know, but I know there's <laughs> going to be a problem. And it's going to be one of those things, either the run game not working, pass protection being bad, receivers not making plays, Russ not making plays. And then you factor in the you know the whole, he's not as mobile as he used to be to create mm-hmm. magic out of nothing. And it just seems like the vibes on the locker room are atrocious. It matters. And that's it what matters. matters. It, it matters. doesn't matter. Yeah. So it, it's it's everything. Like there's no one problem. It's everything. That's why they're scoring like a good day for them is 16 points. That's a good quarter for Kansas City. Yeah. If they'd score 18 points in every game this year, they'd be like eight and five or yeah. eight and four right now, something like that. Like it's the defense has been that good and the offense has been that bad. If since what you know about Steve Spagnola, what he likes to do and what you've seen from the Broncos this year, what do you expect uh, the Chiefs defense to come out and do? Is this going to be one of those aggressive, like we're going to send the house, we're going to blitz a lot and make them communicate, make them do different things? Like what do you expect to happen in this matchup for fans who are watching that they can kind of know what to look for? I actually do expect a lot of blitzes because he's not as mobile as he used to be. And mm-hmm. so all that kind of Russell Wilson get out of tackles magic and then make plays in space. He's not doing that this year. So yeah, I would send five and six guys on every third down and, and make him beat you from the pocket, which this year he has not been able to do because he's not going to get out of the pocket. Um, and I, especially I would kind of overplay, like I would like put my DBs and outside leverage on, uh, on any five and six man pressure and like make him beat you over the middle because this chief's team, um, something that I've, I've always admired from them over the last few years is if, if their interior guys aren't getting home, cause a lot of the time their job is just to take up blockers. Mm-hmm. Those hands are going up. And, and I think that we're going to get some batted balls. You know, if, if the DBs are on their game, um, those batted balls can turn into turnovers, but I would literally just force him to beat pressure over the middle and just try to get some batted balls and try to get some pressures, you know, let Chris Jones do his thing. And I, I just think that there's going to be enough mistakes generated by that approach on third down that, you know, you, you give Mahomes a couple extra possessions and game's a wrap. Yeah. What are the skill guys? I know Latavius Murray veteran been around seems to provide somewhat of a spark, or at least it's just by sheer, somebody's got to get the ball and he's going to be the one to do it. <laughs> That's um, it. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? All right. Yeah. I haven't watched, I'm not going to pretend to have watched a ton of Broncos uh, film this year. I'm not going to pro- like guess like that and, and do that deal. So uh, what are, who are the skill guys that, that uh, cheese fans should worry about if the Broncos do go out there and make plays, you know, who are the guys that are going to do it? The thing is that I, I don't really think that there are any at this point. Um, You know, Cortland, Cortland is so talented. And I think that in any given week, like, yeah, he could go up and and post up over somebody, but like Jerry Judy has not had a good year. Um, It's so surprising. You kind of ignore the box score on him and you look at like the actual tape because there's been so much meat left on the bone um, Mm. with him. And I just like, if they, if they tried to trade him, I don't think they get a first round pick. They might not even get a second round pick. Like it's been that inconsistent with him. And not that Cortland's been amazingly consistent in himself, but um, it's been better. 
And I still think that there's more potential with Cortland to hurt you. But if you put McDuffie on Cortland right now, I'd probably lean McDuffie based on what we saw last week. Wow. So I just, I, unless Judy is getting wide ass open yeah. and, and Russ is delivering a perfect ball right in the pillow. I don't trust him to be the game breaker to win that game for, for the Broncos. Like this, this receiving core on paper coming into the year was supposed to be really good. And they have massively underperformed for what we think they're capable of. Right. Um, God, who was it that got hurt preseason? Big six. Tim Patrick. Lost. Tim Patrick. That was little did we know the glue guy of all glue. Guys. <laughs> Apparently, that's the whole key to the Broncos season. Well, if you need a Patrick play, if you need a play, it's third and six, and you throw yeah. it up. He would actually catch the ball. <laughs> he would yeah. actually make a play. He wouldn't dominate the stat line, but if you need to keep the offense functional, he was the guy to do it. And I guess I didn't realize that till. <laughs> like three weeks into the season where I was like, God, they really missed Tim Patrick. And yeah, they do. Anybody over there realized that, but it, when you say like underperforming first round pick and like, if he was on any other team, that's like got Brett Veach's music. It's like, Ooh, I'll trade for that guy. Zero <laughs> chance. They're trading him. And I will say this. I was very unhappy. I thought Greg Dolchich would make a, a bigger impact. I really liked him coming out of the draft. And when he went to the Broncos, like if they use him correctly with Russell Wilson, being able to, you thought, find open guys with a receiving core that they had. I thought Dolchich was, and I still think he's got a bright future. He's a talented kid. He can move well for a tight end. I thought he was going to be more developed at this point um, in how they could utilize him. But yeah, it's just a hot mess for so many different reasons. What else stands out to you about this matchup um, just on either side of the ball or just schematically uh, when previewing Chiefs and Broncos on Sunday? You know, I just, I don't, I don't see a path for a win for Denver unless it's, and again, knock on wood, you know, this isn't wood, knock on particle board, whatever that desk is made of. <laughs> unless it's like the Colts game where some real funky stuff happens on like special yeah. teams. And, and, and unless it's like that, I don't see a path to victory because schematically, obviously the defense matches up pretty well against Kansas City, but the offense for Denver is so bad that I expect the Chiefs to get enough possessions to just brute force their way to a win. Like, mm -hmm. you can't hold Mahomes down that many times in a row. Nine, ten possessions. When your offense is consistently giving away terrible field position and also giving the ball away and not scoring themselves, like, you expect them to hold up for ten possessions against the Chiefs? Like, I, you can get four or five stops. Are you getting 10? No. Mm -hmm. So even if it's 18 to nine, <laughs> you know, like let's say the chiefs have a, have a game like they did a couple weeks ago where they, they are horrible in the red zone. It's field goal, field goal, full field goal. Do you expect the Broncos to get to 18 points? No. So I just, I don't see a path to victory here. I really don't. All right. That put me in a good enough mood. We can go back and talk a little Chiefs Bengals because I am curious and you're so well versed in what's happening on the field and kind of understanding the chess match uh, as best anybody can from the outside. But you study this stuff, you know what's going on. Is there any reason for concern based on what you watched between the Chiefs and Bengals that even schematically or execution, the Chiefs fans should be aware of? Because they lose, it, everybody gets emotional just as a fan base. Everybody's pissed off. Fire this guy, fire that guy. I know there was no pressure. On Joe Burry had one quarterback hit 
in that game. Spagnuolo, they tried to blitz. When they blitzed, it did not work. When they sat back, tried to rally tackle, they couldn't freaking tackle. And so, like, nothing was really working on the execution standpoint. But was there anything schematically that you feel like the Chiefs need to uh, – you talked about the quarter-quarter half. But anything schematically that you saw in that game that should give fans cause for concern that is something that the Chiefs are – I don't say not capable of doing, but something that has to change based on not being successful in one particular area or not. You know, they did play a lot of like true quarters in that game. Um, And I think that was a reflection of how they opted to handle um, the Bengals personnel. Mm -hmm. The problem is I, I just don't think the secondary outside of McDuffie was ready for that because quarters like, it's a zone coverage, but it turns into man real quick. Like quarters is basically just their way of, of uh, like after, after half a second, usually like everybody's just <laughs> on their assignment in quarters. And it, it, like, there's not a whole lot of pass offs, like in like true spot drop cover two, cover three, not a whole lot mm-hmm. of pass offs. It's basically just find your guy. There's your guy. And mm-hmm. so based on that, it's actually relatively easy to dictate matchups because if you know it's a if it's a high percentage quarters team in certain situations, you know you're putting Jamar backside, so you're you're relatively sure that they're gonna in and out kind of bracket that with the backside safety, and so you've got four over three on the front side. You're relatively certain that there's only a certain number of trip check trips checks that they can have, and so you can kind of dictate matchups based on motion, based on formation, everything like that. So yeah. if you think that T Higgins versus Joshua Williams is your is your ticket to the promised land you can kind of force that matchup if you really want mm. to whereas with man when you're locking guys based on who you think can handle who it's a little bit different and so i would be very intrigued to see if they go back in the inevitable rematch and they say hey they were kind of you know using some some pre-snap tricks to force us into some matchups that we really didn't like or kind of, you know, use pre-snap tricks to get us into some leverage that we really didn't like, which can happen against quarters as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we just either stick to more spot drop stuff, which is also, it's not, not ideal, but if you're not getting the matchups you want, it might be necessary. Or maybe we just play more cover one and we, we trust our corners specifically. We trust McDuffie mm. to do a lot better than say Fenton did last year where mm. he would get posterized two or three times. You know, it's like, let, maybe we trust our guys to do that and play the matchups rather than play the scheme. It sounds super risky against Cincy. It sounds suicidal against the Bengals because they have a really good receiving core, but it might be the only way to survive. And I'm, Fascinated to see, uh, fascinated to see what they do in the rematch because we're we're probably going to get one. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
if you heard Travis Kelsey on his podcast, he would like a rematch between those guys. And I, oh, I I'm think sure from a messaging do. standpoint, I think it's great. And I like the fact that you play them in the playoffs, whether it's divisional, hopefully not wild card, hopefully get the one seed. And, or if it does, it doesn't match up or they have to go like Tennessee, Cincy, Buffalo, <laughs> like you guys suck. But I do want to ask you about that because some news came out today, but now before we started recording that Von Miller done for the year, I know they were your pick to win the AFC being completely honest here and which is fine. Coin flip at that point, if we're being honest uh, and cheese fans being as honest with themselves as they can. Very good football team. Does that change your thoughts on what's going to happen in the AFC now that we're sitting here through what, 13 weeks sitting here in week 13? How could it not? Yeah. How could it not? Cause it's not just Vaughn. Like the bills in general have been super banged up this year. Mm-hmm. all over the especially on defense like th- they were one of the healthiest teams in the league for like a five-year stretch because their sports science program is like top notch in the world mm-hmm. um and they were very durable overall and it just all collapsed this year for a variety of different reasons but how could vaughn not being on the field not affect my opinion of, of where the afc standings are right now like i get it um they're nine and three they're in the chase for the one seed but they're only a game ahead of their own division rival, Miami, yeah. who already beat them. You know, they're only two games ahead of the Jets, who are a better team than they're giving credit for. Um, you know, Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson, but like the Jets are not a pushover. Um, yeah. You know, the Chiefs are also nine and three, and they just need one loss to kind of get into that one seed. And then the mm-hmm. Bengals, they're the, I, would, I wouldn't even consider them a snake in the grass anymore, but they're only one game back themselves. So like the Chiefs kind of have to win out. To yeah. keep ahead of of the Bengals, who, if I recall correctly, the Bengals still have another game to come up against Buffalo too, um, yep. in a couple of weeks. So, like all these contenders are clashing here, and if the Chiefs slip up one time, then the Bengals will have tiebreakers over Kansas City and over Buffalo, and also I think over uh, I think over Miami too. Actually, now that I think about it, so yeah, and since um, he's got the Bills. Yeah, they've got to play the Bills and the Ravens. So since these schedules not that easy, of all of the teams vying for the one seed, the Chiefs have the easiest path. Uh, we've got to talk about some of our They just got to win the games. <laughs> Seattle is a match. They've got Denver twice. They've got the Raiders. They've got um, the Seahawks, and then one other matchup. And I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I'll look it up here real quick. Everybody listening is like, "Hey, it's such and such." Uh, the Texans. So they're on the road yeah, against the yeah. Texans. So yeah, yeah. Um, you've got Seattle, two games against Denver. Anything can happen. It's the NFL. If the Chiefs play average football in those games, they're going to win. They are going to win out and go 5-0. and I don't think Buffalo's going to win out, and that's the only team, if the Chiefs don't slip up, that holds that tiebreaker on them. There's just too much stuff for Buffalo. Uh, and since everybody else, they got these teams got to beat each other. Same thing with Miami. They're playing uh, – against i mean and the jets like you said getting in the mix so teams are all going to beat each other up somebody's got to win somebody's got to lose and as long as they can all beat each other at an even pace uh then the chiefs should be all right to get that one seed uh but i actually like the fact that when they have the rematch that everyone's going to doubt the chiefs i think that'll go in their favor going into that playoff game if that's the case hopefully it's an afc title game uh i kind of like the fact that even if the Chiefs are at home, no one's going to expect the Chiefs to win that game. I think that'll be good for these guys. I might. <laughs> just because, I I don't know. Again, we're assuming just based on the Bengals' path because they still got to play Buffalo. They got to play Baltimore. They got to play Tampa. 
not that Tampa's great this year, but I don't know. Tom Tom Brady gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, <laughs> like it, their path is considerably more difficult. So I at this point, if I had to choose, I would expect the Bengals to be going to Kansas City. And I'll tell you what, Arrowhead's loud, but if the if the boogeyman is in town in the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game, who knocked him out last year and beat him three times in a row, everybody's leaving that stadium deaf. And you know, I would expect Kansas City to win. And you know what would be crazier is there's still there's still a part of me that thinks the Bengals would be favored going into that game, depending on it injuries and all those would things. Be. Yeah. So if you're talking about all the things you just mentioned and they're the underdog at home. There is nothing more dangerous than a pissed off Patrick Mahomes, and he's pissed. They had a 26-game win streak going in, in November, December. You don't think he's mad about that? Yeah. <laughs> and the annoying thing to me about the game on Sunday, we've talked about this a lot, but what was said and on social media and what Justin Reed said going into that game is like you kind of acted like the bully and then got punched in the mouth is philosophically mm-hmm. how I felt like that game happened. They didn't really have an answer for it. Cincinnati was talking Jamar Chase gets the flag. Like they never really answered back. And granted the narrative would probably be different if the chiefs had made two or three more plays and won that game. It'd be a little different, but at the end of the day, for all the reasons that we just talked about, it can't be a rivalry. If you're not winning. We have, a, there's a kryptonite for the chiefs right now. And I look forward to the matchup. I want it to be an AFC title game uh, at home where they're not favored where the oh. Bengals are favored going in because the ratings, the the just ratings would be insane. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> it would be beautiful. All right. Before we let you go again, there's Brett Coleman, uh, the legend, Brett, what are you working on? Where can people find your stuff and what do you want to promote? Uh, I'm working on a video right now on, uh, on cover five and maybe there are some listeners. Well, I'm sure if they watch KCSN, they've heard of it before, but uh, maybe there's some listeners that are like, what the hell is cover five? Cover five is basically just uh, coaching lingo in the Sabanese tree for cover two man. And I'm making that episode because I mentioned cover five in a previous thing that I did on Mike White. And everybody's like, what the hell is cover five? And I was like, oh, that's not a common term. I should do something on that. So I'm, I'm basically doing an episode on cover two man, why it's called cover five by that Saban tree, when you call it, what's good against it, and then putting to rest once and for all what the hell it actually is. Hmm. All right. Good stuff. Now, before I let you go, because I know you said that it was going to change your opinion. As you stand here today, who do you think represents the AFC in the Super Bowl? I'd lean KC. I think the playoffs go through KC hmm. just because I don't think they lose again. So 14 and three, they're getting healthier. I think that they've, they were so close to beating the Bengals and there were some kind of wonky things that happened that made them lose. And I think that schematically, they're going to learn some lessons. It's going to be a tough, tough grind, man. Like, there's a lot of good AFC teams, but yeah. because Vaughn is hurt and the Bengals are, and the and the Bills are just continuously injured this year, um, like straight up healthy team versus healthy team, I would lean Buffalo. But as it stands right now, Kansas City's still amazing. I would lean them. And uh, is it is it wild to think uh, the Andy Reid Bowl, Kansas City, Philly in the Super Bowl in Arizona? That'd be beautiful for so many different reasons. That would be, that would be amazing. It'd be a lot more fun than like chief Dallas. Like, Oh God, I would hate that. It would be insufferable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like nothing. Nothing. Uh, other fan bases fans. were the other fan bases were bad. That would just get, it would just, it no. would suck the air out of the room to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I don't know. I just think the Chiefs are a much more interesting team. And I think the Phillies a much more interesting team. Yeah. 
that'd be fun. It would be the Andy Reid Bowl. And I would just love it because all the really good stories about Andy Reid would come out and people would learn more uh, about everything and hopefully his personality. They'd try to get him to do stuff and he'd say, no, I'm here to coach football. And it would just be a fun uh, thing to see how much stuff he'd actually do going into that. But all right, everybody, we appreciate you for tuning in to this episode of KCSN Update. Brett joins us every Wednesday here. And again, you can find his stuff. Uh, you can find him on social media at Brett Coleman, find his YouTube channel uh, under the same name or at bootleg football. And we appreciate all you for hanging out and uh, following us here at KC sports network. We'll have more good content uh, coming up, getting you ready for the chiefs and Broncos on Sunday. So hit that like, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. And don't forget, we've got a lot of college content, whether it's KUK state, Mizzou, whoever your team is uh, here in the area, uh, we've got you covered. So appreciate all for hanging out. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.